This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi, welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, and here at the Finding Holy Podcast, we want to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life. So this is a podcast for you if you long for a life that feels spacious, but you're stuck with dishes and laundry and a to-do list a mile long. This is a podcast for you if you long to integrate what you know with who you are and how you live. And this is a podcast for you if you need a gentle invitation into the ways of Jesus right in the middle of your actual life. So join me along with authors, pastors, artists, and activists to hear they connect the big things of life into the ordinary habits of their days. And to help you on your journey, you'll get one small step at the end of each episode to take with you into your week. You'll also get to hear my guests' laundry routines because big things matter, but so does the laundry. Here's a bit more about my guest today. Meredith McDaniel is a licensed professional counselor and a graduate of Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. She has a unique perspective on the struggles that many of us are experiencing today and addresses this universal longing in her first book, In Want and Plenty. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Meredith. Friends, I'm excited to welcome a new friend to me, Meredith McDaniel. She is the author of the recently released book, In Want and Plenty, Waking Up to God's Provision in a Land of Longing. So thanks for being with us here, Meredith. Thanks for having me, Ashley. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, you're so welcome. So I really enjoyed reading your book. Um, primarily, well, we're both Enneagram 4s, we've discovered. And so this like idea of longing is like my soul language. So I, I was really jiving with a lot, a lot of that. Um, but I think regardless of our Enneagram type or personality proclivities, um, this idea of longing is something um, that we all feel kind of this ache that the world is not as it should be. So tell us kind of how that began for you, this idea of, of longing and, you know, particularly the idea of the Exodus story as a, a way to kind of work through our longings. Yeah, well, I think you really kind of hit the nail on the head just saying it's a human condition. I think some of us, you know, feel it deeper and stronger maybe than others. But uh, yeah, if you look around at the world, um, we see a lot of brokenness and we we see uh, that we want things to be different and we hope and long for them to be better. And um, for a long time, I remember even in middle school, um, somebody read Romans 8 for the first time around me and I just thought, God, why are we trapped on this rock where we are going to be groaning like in the cha- you know the pains of childbirth for the rest of our lives <laughs> um, for heaven and longing for home? You know what is this all about? And um, it took me a while to figure out that actually heaven is meeting earth mm. every single day, mm. and yet we have to figure out how to have eyes to see it and to have a new and fresh lens. And so I think the story and narrative of Exodus really speaks to that. And 
when I first started um, hearing about manna and this idea that God was providing for the Israelites every single day, um, just what they needed moment by moment, and that they started to grow even entitled with the manna Mm -hmm. um, and the provision that God was giving them, I could just really relate to that. And I think I'm a counselor, so a lot of the people that I interact with every single day um, are also saying, hey, I'm unraveling under um, anxiety and depression and maybe even addiction, and I just can't figure out why. And so I wanted to start to get to uh, the root cause of a lot of that in my book and also in my practice and just relationships with people every single day. Mm. What has been some, you know, you talk about manna moments in your, you know, God's provision in your book. Um, What have been some of the things that have been moment by moment provision for you so that you can help support the unraveling of others, either in your practice or, you know, as a mother, um, community member, churchgoer, your -hmm. husband's in ministry, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of there's a lot of unraveling. So what have, what have been the sustaining practices for you? Yeah, there is. Well, you know, so much of it for me, I'm actually sitting at my dining room table right now. And I think about if I could rewind to seven years ago when I was sitting at my dining room table, my husband had just uh, crossed over the border into Canada. I was telling me he was losing cell phone service for the next 10 days. I had three little ones. Um, one was actually pregnant with one of those, the youngest, and um, was having just crazy amounts of anxiety, hormonal shifts and fluctuations. We were really tight financially. Um, it was just like everything was coming to a head. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting at my dining room table, have my first panic attack, one that really took over my whole body and uh, didn't know what to do in that moment. And I just felt like the Lord um, just started whispering to me, you know, everything else can be kind of going to hell really right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to be enough for you. Like mm. I'm going to sustain you. And yet in that same breath, I felt like he was saying, you don't have to suffer alone, like tangibly in this physical space. You can call your neighbor, you can call your sister and you can actually tell them you don't have it all together and Mm. you need help and you need support. And so that's what I did. Like I called my neighbor. She was over in a second to get my toddler and my guy that I had at the kitchen table eaten at his high, his messy high chair. And, um, you know, I put my feet up. I took some deep breaths. I drank some orange juice to help with some low blood sugar. And, um, I just started crying and I had to surrender in that moment that I needed support and that I couldn't tackle life on my own anymore. Um, Even as a counselor, even as, you know, a young life staff spouse, I actually needed, you know, help and some soul care and self care. And this, this was the beginning of kind of a long season where that anxiety did not lift. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think to answer your question, we need to slow down. We need to quiet our space and pay attention to our bodies and reach out not only to the Lord, but to those other people that he's put Mm. around us um, in our community to hold us up. Mm. I'd love to chat just briefly about this idea of margin, about space. How do, how do we do that? You know, or how have you done that? Um, You know, since maybe kind of, oh gosh, you know, there's this anxiety crowding in, there's all these pressures, little people who need me demanding work. Um, yeah. What, how have you created margin? And then I'd love to chat about the importance of community. If only there was a three-step process. Oh, I know. Wouldn't that be great? Could you give me (laughs) (laughs) 
I wish I could just give you the three bullet points. Right. I'll tell you what I have found. <laughs> your alarm. Change your to-do list. Work really hard, right? That's what it right. must be. Yes. If only. Work harder to create margin. <laughs> if only. Yeah, it, it seems to be, and I'm sure you can relate, and maybe anyone listening can too, um, that it seems to be a little more mysterious and a little mm-hmm. more gray than that. Um, for me, and I talk about this a little bit in the book, it has to start you know, from the moment that I wake up in the morning. So, you know, my phone's within reach. I can very easily grab it when my alarm goes off and start scrolling through my email and Instagram and, you know, Voxer and all the things that I love and I think bring a lot of light into my life, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But I need a pause first thing in the morning. So I think that that is one of my you know, best practices is that I need to take some deep breaths and just really invite the Lord in from, from the first second of my day Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. I barely open my eyes and just say, God, I am surrendering um, my every moment to you. And I want to hear from you. I want you to impress upon my heart and on my mind, you know, um, Suzanne Stabile, I was talking to her on her podcast recently, and she said, she asks the question every day, you know, God, what is mine to do today? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we we can't do everything that we want mm-hmm. and that even we feel like we're being called to do every single day. And so I just have to open hands, say, God, guide me, um, you know, bring things to mind, scratch things off my list before I'm even looking at my list. Um, I also, I talk a lot in the book about journaling and I know that not everybody, you know, loves to write. Um, and so it might look different for some of you, but for me, I have been putting into use that morning pages practice by Julia Cameron. The Artist mm-hmm. Way is a great yeah. book to kind of teach people about that more in depth. Um, and I have seasons where I do it and seasons where I don't. So, yeah. you know, I just came out of a season of not doing it after six months of doing it almost every day. And now I feel this urge, like I've got to clear the cobwebs and I've got to write and with no purpose and no agenda, just to start seeing some patterns maybe over time and um, really just to release. And so... I would start there. We can, we can unpack some more, mm-hmm, but that mm-hmm. is really where I would start. Yeah, no, I think that's really great. You know, thinking about just even how we spend our time in our first moments, what do we give our time and attention to and asking God to kind of be present with you, you know, in the journaling, in the choosing to not pick up the phone and scroll as the first thing, like, what am I being formed by? I think sometimes yes. we're just so busy. There is no margin. You know, we are, we are so productivity oriented um, that we, mm-hmm. we don't, know what God's doing or what he's saying to us any longer. Yeah. And he actually does want to communicate with us, right? Like, I think that we, our life is so loud and full of so many distractions that we just tend to think that we, we can't hear, you know, and that he's really quiet when I think it's just that we are distracted and we need to carve that space. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and then moving into the day, it's easy for me to rush you know, rush my kids um, through breakfast, rush my kids out the door, um, pack every single second of every day um, without putting in kind of, like you said, some margin and some white space. I didn't really know about that concept until grad school when I was Mm -hmm. doing master's in counseling, that that was actually an intentional thing that you need to put on your calendar. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. when I look at my schedule, even with my counseling clients, I have a 10 minute buffer in between each to just breathe, grab some water, make sure what I'm physically putting into my body is going to be helpful. Um, and I, I, you know, I need to do that throughout my entire day as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're just so prone to dividing ourselves up and our time up and everything like into these mechanized sorts of units. Um, 
and even dividing our bodies up too. So tell us about the importance of community for you, Mm -hmm. the local church, your ministry, your neighborhood, um, and the ways in which you were saying, you know, your own issues with anxiety, um, your own sense of longing, your own sense of not being enough was really Mm -hmm. an invitation for you to kind of move outwards towards your community to be more kind of embedded in good ways with your community. Yeah. Well, you know, it takes me right back to, we do high school ministry and I was at a camp in college and I had all these little high school girls sitting on the floor and they had just heard about, you know, the kind of the condition of their hearts and the world and a little bit about God and a lot of them having never been exposed to church. And the room was completely silent. I asked a couple questions and they were not about to say one word about something (laughs) real. (laughs) And then I felt the spirit move and say, Hey, why don't you share a little something about your story that's a little vulnerable. And as soon as I did, um, it was like the floodgates just opened. Mm -hmm. And so I have just kind of captured that moment to apply that to all of my relationships in life moving forward. And I think in regards to community, we have to be willing to share. Obviously, we don't broadcast our whole soul and our (laughs) inner depths to the whole world. But again, as the spirit guides, these little interactions, even if it's somebody at the grocery store, all the way to, you know, a small group or one-on-one mentor relationship within our church or our community, these different levels of, I think, disclosure and transparency are so helpful because people can walk around comparing themselves to each other all day long um, and saying, like, she's really got this going on and I am just struggling and nobody else is. But when we start to have real conversations, we start to see, and again, this is just like the Israel as they were coming from slavery into the wilderness, into that desert place. They were coming out tribe by tribe with their people, mm-hmm. and they saw each other crying out and grumbling and, and being entitled and complaining, and, and we're allowed to do that. Like, we have a God who actually holds the whole world in His hands, and he, He's big enough to be able to hold all of our, our sorrow and our joy and all our questions and doubts. And so if we can start to do that in community, I think it can be really transforming for us um, just on a day-to-day basis with people we bump into at school um, or even in our churches on Sundays and in the meetings that we might gather in you know, throughout the week, mm. too. Why do you think we're reticent to do that communally? Yeah, well, I think we're scared. You know, I'm thinking of a few things right now that I haven't shared with some some people <laughs> that would probably be helpful for me to share. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm nervous because, gosh, then what will they think of me? Will they think that um, I'm not who they thought I was? Um, will they think that I um, am not someone they can bring their stuff to because I'm also struggling? Um, and and really, ultimately, are they going to think that I have you know enough faith? that I'm trusting enough when I know that's a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that's real. And I think for a lot of people, um, they just don't don't feel like they have either the space that somebody can hold for them or um, they're scared of the response of mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. So how do we kind of get from a space, a fear of isolation, of kind of individualism, of, you know, worshiping our productivity as the meaning of our existence um, mm-hmm. into a space where we're like, actually i feel free i like i'm following jesus like i i know he will provide he will provide manna for my life mm-hmm. um you know that even if i'm walking through 
plagues and pestilence and, you know, through the Red Sea, there will be deliverance, you know, metaphorically in our everyday lives. You know, for me, I talk about a lot with people um, and try to remember my own life that we need to look back and Mm -hmm. kind of trace God's hand. So Mm -hmm. if you look back at even the Old Testament, um, all the way through the New Testament, where they would make kind of these Ebenezer's or markers and reminders of God's provision and goodness in their life in really hard times. Um, That is true of modern day as well. We can do that in our conversations with people. And so when I share a little bit of my story, let's say with you, Ashley, you know, you then tell me, you don't try to make it all better and tie it up with a little bow and say, just have faith and be good because what's (laughs) that going to do? Right. (laughs) Right? Just make us both feel horrible walking away from the situation, unfortunately. Um, But what you could do is say, oh man, Meredith, like I remember when you were talking about this six months ago and man, I've seen God do this and I've seen God do this. Or maybe it's even, you do start to teeter into your story a little bit and you say, um, my situation was totally different or maybe a little similar, but this is where God showed up for me. And this is where God showed up for mm-hmm. my friend. And mm-hmm. man, I hope that we can figure out how to, how to trust him together because this life is hard. And so when we do that, we do find freedom and we find joy because we start to uh, name the good things in the midst of the heavy and in mm. the hard. And um, for me, that is a term that I've kind of coined as these manna moments. You know, Ann Boskamp kind of calls it these thousand gifts. And we all are kind of using different language of how we can point to um, his hand in our story. And sometimes we get to see the purpose played out sooner. Sometimes we, we don't get to see it till years down the road or maybe even not on the side of heaven. Um, mm-hmm. But there is this element of trust um, that he is good. Um, I have a girl that's been on book tour with me. That is, She wrote this uh, beautiful song, co-wrote it with one of our friends too, Matt and Hollins. And it's called You've Given Me Joy. And it walks through all of these different scenarios, um, both in the, the shadow lands, you know, but in the goodness and the glory of, of both want and plenty. Um, where we, we can hold that tension together. So I think that's really why mm-hmm. I used in Want and Plenty because it's, it's not a either or. Right. It is a, it is a both and mm-hmm. in this in-between space that we live. And I love that so many people are talking about that in so many different angles right now because, um, yeah, we've, we've got to do that together, whether that's through music or podcasts or books um, or even where we're finding it in scripture and in our churches. Um, we, we've got to celebrate the goodness in the midst mm. of the mm-hmm. Abbey. Mm-hmm. And it, it, mm-hmm. one doesn't cancel out the other. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're totally right. We'll be back with the rest of our conversation in just a moment. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest 
and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. And here's the rest of my conversation with Meredith. What have been some practices for you, um, maybe even in your counseling practice or, you know, things that you offer um, yeah. folks when you're um, in a counseling session to be able to hold two things in tension? Because I think for mm-hmm. a lot of us, that isn't like something that we are naturally very good at or we mm-hmm. haven't really been instructed in. Yeah. Well, we mentioned journaling earlier, but also at the end of every chapter, um, I do have a section called Resound that uh, has a song for music. And each of those songs um, are basically some independent artists that have really inspired me because they've held that tension that we're talking mm-hmm. about. And so it's not just these flowery, you know, positive worship songs. It's actually, right. oh, life is hard. And yet... God is good. And Mm -hmm. I need those words just sung over me, a lot of them based in scripture. Um, So I think music can be huge for people Mm -hmm. um, because it's an embodied experience. Um, And then you're able to then enter into your next thing. If that's work or home or relationship, I get, again, I think the journaling, the music, um, communion with God and with others, like lighting a candle for me before conversations um, like this, or even conversations with the Lord, it's a trigger for my brain to realize like this is holy and sacred space. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm signifying that um, some good, beautiful work is going to be done right now. And when I blow that candle out, I am going to move on to my next thing and I'm going to go out into the world because we can't, you know, I like to be at home. I like to withdraw and isolate, <laughs> um, but but we can't do that all day long. And mm-hmm. so we have to make the moments that we have really matter, so that then we can go out into the world mm. and shed light and love mm. into dark places. Um, so that's yeah. Those are kind of just some basic big picture practices that I try to to teach people in my life and model for people in my life. And mm-hmm. yeah, tell me more. Do you have any? I would love to hear. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I'm like, I hardly ever get questions on the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, you. I am a counselor. So. <laughs> you're used to it. You're a professional counselor. I don't talk a lot. I <laughs> know. <laughs> um, well, I love what you're saying about, you know, even just lighting the candle. Like, it, it's one way to kind of visually and in your senses create margin, too. I really, yeah, I love that. Um, for me to kind of hold the both and intention a lot of it has been like you were saying prioritizing the body over because my my inclination is to be like heavy in my heart or um my brain and you know i realize that these are all interconnected but you know for just to be able to talk about them um and so to realize okay i need to go for a walk i need sunshine i need water (laughs) like these things these things are um yeah the things that fuel all of the other things and to not see them as just kind of you know secondary or tertiary concerns have been one 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 way that i've chosen to kind of even practice what does it look like to to love god i think you just hit on two really important things and i'm glad because this is what always um gets my brain going is when Mm -hmm. i hear what other people are saying so movement right Mm -hmm. i i like to be stationary me too (laughs) my body responds to that it doesn't like that you know I, i can't create as well when i'm just sitting still all day so i love that you brought up some fresh air some sunshine getting out moving 
And then beyond that, I love that you touched on kind of church um, because church is a body too, right? Mm-hmm. So we're yep. not only paying to like paying attention. Our I'm really into body. this. Yeah. yeah, like little B body, yep. big B body, and like little M mana, kind of big M ultimate mm-hmm. mana found in Jesus. And so if we're looking at body with a big B, thinking about it in terms of the church, um, not only do we pay attention to our own body, but we need to pay attention to the people. Yeah, yeah. around us and not only their needs, but the things that they have to offer us and to teach us. And I think there's a lot of abundance in that versus this scarcity mindset that we can tend to live in. But really, how can I look around and see the people on each side of me and what they're doing and us really encourage each other and lift each other up, you know, kind of tag in when somebody needs extra support. When I was in that hard season, my friend owns a restaurant. I talk about this all the time. She She showed up at my front door with her own frying pan. Mm. and made me the most delicious breakfast out of ingredients I didn't even know that I had in the back of my fridge and pantry. <laughs> yeah. She did all of my dishes that were overflowing at my sink and just let me sit and cry. Mm. <laughs> and it has made such an impact on me because that I was know. the body. Yeah. I had a, a woman who, <laughs> when we had our fourth baby, came and cleaned my toilets. And I was just like, thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> such <laughs> like, manna. Such manna. <laughs> I think too, though, it's important to be able to accept help too, right? And not yes. and the body, you know, the gifts of the body and not simply give it or pay so for true. it. It's so true. You know, again, it's, it's a mindset shift, right? We have to go from thinking that, that we're weak, you know, to actually we can find strength in others and through mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, and it, it is, it's just a complete perspective shift. I used to, I think I read about this in the book somewhere. I can't remember. Um, but I used to think I used to have to just smile all the time. And then people would want to know Jesus because my life was so perfect. And well, that's just a lie and exhausting. (laughs) And I can't maintain that, number one. But number two, it's not real. You know, people aren't actually attracted to something that's a fake illusion. They want real and authentic and something they can relate to and resonate with. And if Mm -hmm. we're willing to do that um, and ask for help and people see us asking for help and letting somebody clean our toilets or make us breakfast or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even do something more more, um, abstract, you know, like pray for us Mm -hmm. and and be honest about what we need prayer for, um, it builds bridges to, to other people. And that requires seeing people with a new lens at church on like a Sunday, right? Right. It's so easy to walk into church, get what we want, consume, maybe even serve at Sunday school or with the kids and then just leave. It's like an hour of our week when we have all these hours of the whole week. Like what does it look like to press into um, following up with the person that you shook hands with at church Um, and getting their phone number and asking God, Hey, put somebody in my path today at church that you want me to pursue. Mm. Um, Not just for my own, you know, their own benefit, but like Mm -hmm. for mine too, that two way Mm -hmm. relationship Mm -hmm. um, and how we can learn from each other. And he does it. I mean, that is what is cool about this whole um, manna like lens is it becomes this treasure hunt. And that's what's been so fun with my kids is to say, like, we are going to look for the manna today. Let's go Mm. find it. Mm. It's there. We just have to find it. And then we get stunned and awed by um, his constant pursuit and his um, really just lavishing of his love uh, on us, even when when there's also hard things going on, too. Mm. And especially, maybe. (laughs) Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. I love that. Like, 
I love it to think about it as a treasure hunt. And that's, you know, I think actually that's what I love about the Exodus narrative is that we can see ourselves in it. And then it also, if you zoom out, it really is the gospel in a nutshell. You know, it's, it's a group of people longing and aching, feeling enslaved in some sort of captivity, finding freedom, but then feeling disoriented and not knowing you know, what is life supposed to look like here? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. in the desert. And we're yeah. not even to the land flowing with milk and honey yet. So, and that's where we are as a people. And we're all fumbling around, you know, God, what do we do with this situation? And how do I handle this? And this, this inner anxiety or depression that I can't seem to shake. And, um, you know, how, how do I find the joy? How do I find the provision and the manna and the goodness and the holy, you know, um, in my everyday? And, oh gosh, it's it's just, it's changed my life to mm. walk outside um, with kind of that heartbeat versus just my tendency, which is honestly glass half empty <laughs> and dark and heavy and <laughs> life is hard yes <laughs> and where is god right. and am i gonna be okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well as we close i would love to ask the question i ask all my guests about your laundry routine because our laundry i think you know is a window to our ordinary and we're trying to connect the dots between all of the things that matter and our ordinary so what's your That's laundry true. routine well, I'll tell you one thing. If my kids do not dump the dirt out of their socks, we have a trampoline in a field and they run back and forth all day long. I'm like, y'all dump the dirt <laughs> out of your socks before you bring it into my house and then dump it on my floor. First yeah. of all. Yeah. Second of all, we do have a basket for everybody. And yeah. this is a lazy genius. My friend Kendra yeah. mm-hmm. uh, way. So I'm stealing this from her, but yeah. she says like literally just wash everybody's as their own. Yes. So like the kids need to flip everything out the way it's supposed to be. We're still working on that in my house. And then I just wash, you know, my little girl's laundry. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much easier than yes. all the sorting that has to be done later. So yeah. I'd say, that's a lazy genius way I'm trying to yes. adopt. Nice. It's a mess though. I mean, I'm looking at piles of laundry right now, so yeah. let's be real. It's a yes. mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I love it. We have the bins too. Well, thank you for being here, Meredith. It's been such a pleasure and um, blessings on you and your counseling and your work and your writing. Thank you for opening up the story of the gospel to us today. Thanks, Ashley. It was such a gift to me. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Meredith McDaniel. I'd encourage you to pick up a copy of her book, In Want and Plenty. It's a beautiful book with so many great embodied practices that help us hold both that this world is broken and hard um, together with that God is good and that he is in charge and he will sustain us and provide for us that manna, just like the Israelites found in the desert. So for your one small step this week. I would love for you to think about your morning routine, particularly think about those few moments in the mornings when you wake up. Ask yourself, where do you want to go? You know, maybe it's your phone for a social media update or news about COVID-19. Um, you know, maybe it's your to-do list. Maybe it's, you know, you're talking to yourself really negatively about everything that needs to be done or how overwhelming your life is. But instead of going to those things, take five breaths in and out and in and out five times and ask God to show up. Ask him for manna. And as you go about your day, like Meredith discusses, start being expectant that God will speak to you as you choose to see God's hand, those moments of joy and beauty and his faithfulness, even in 
circumstances that can feel like death. <laughs> Let me know how it goes. Feel free to tag me on social media at AA Hales. I would love it if you subscribe to this podcast. It helps people find us. If you take a second just to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would mean the world. And I have a special, exciting announcement. My husband, Bryce Hales, he's been on a few episodes here on the Finding Holy podcast, the Suburban Boot Camp episodes. You can go ahead and scroll back and listen to those. But he has started a podcast. He is a pastor, and he started it with another pastor friend, Brad Edwards, who's a pastor in Colorado. And they are chatting on Everything Just Changed how everything just changed and what are the opportunities and what are the pathways through this moment in time in a secular age and one that has been recently kind of upended with this global pandemic. So I'd encourage you to go over to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and also subscribe to Everything Just Changed. And on a personal note, I wanted to let you know that some of these episodes are going to be a little bit slower in coming out. I am in the midst of book writing, and I cannot wait to bring my next book out to you in about a year. And so what that means is some of the editing takes a lot of time that I need to devote to writing. So thank you, friends, for bearing with the slightly slower production schedule of the Finding Holy podcast. But in the meantime, go over to Instagram. I tend to be there a lot. And Twitter. Follow me at AA Hales, and we can chat still. And you can also Of course, listen to some older backlogged episodes of the Finding Holy podcast that are still wonderful conversations for you to bring together your ordinary moments into the kingdom of God. So remember that all of these big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.